Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with voice actor Grant Johnson. As a North Dakota-based voice actor, he is in the process of aiding 10,000 projects, from commercials to animation, by helping independent creators bring their stories to life. He has always been a fan of stories ever since the first time he watched Mrs. Doubtfire. His life since then has been a marriage between storytelling and business, learning how to connect with people, and how to use that connection as a catalyst for strengthening relationships and building businesses he's got a great story great energy enjoy hey grant hey joe how's it going good how's life oh keeping busy (laughs) good good where are you located uh north dakota north dakota cool this is a first for me i don't think i've had anybody i have a good friend that lived up in north dakota for some time and they would just talk about the winters were brutal oh sure yeah (laughs) yep yeah i remember particularly um it would have been I think it was spring of last year. Uh, we got a blizzard in April, and it was ridiculous how much snow we got. We got like, I want to say like 18 inches over the span of like 24 hours or 36 wow. hours. So that's crazy. So, do you like snow? Um, I'm good with snow. I, it's not something that I particularly like having to try to work around in terms of like you know getting from place to place. But like as far as you know the actual it being there, I can. I could take it or leave it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, hey, Grant, it's so good to to have you on the show. I appreciate your time. And I want to begin our conversation with what we've lived through for the last three and a half years, which has been a pandemic. How did you get through it? And how has it changed you? Right. Um, that is definitely an interesting uh, question. Um, I guess I haven't been too terribly um disrupted by it Uh, again north dakota is kind of a a lower population state so you know everybody's kind of used to to distancing themselves from each other and um my wife and i were kind of homebodies anyway so um you know it it didn't really affect too much Uh, i think as it sort of progressed um we did sort of find ourselves having that bit of cabin fever you know jonesing for social interaction with people that we we like to engage with and and um i know that north dakota i don't know if it was one of the first states to kind of start to open back up but um i think i think i was able to kind of get back to some level of normalcy uh faster than other parts of the country yeah so let's get into what you do you know obviously you're a voice actor there's a lot that's on your plate all the time but if i put you in front of a bunch of third graders and one of the kids looks up and says hey what do you do for a living how would you answer them right so i think richard horvitz did a really good job of saying this very succinctly and that is um i play pretend play pretend for for a living and um it's it's really cool because you know growing up you know, I, I was a consumer of media. I watched all sorts of things and sort of my, my first interaction, I, I feel like I had with uh, voiceover was back in the early nineties, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire comes out and that, that first scene with Robin Williams talking into a microphone, playing the, the little cat and the, and the bird on the, on the screen that he's watching as, as uh, you know, as they're having kind of their, their exchanges. It's, it's, it was great to see, how that worked and and the fact that i was able to be exposed to that at such a young age i think really kind of cemented in me sort of a purpose in providing that engagement that entertainment and and that level of storytelling so 
what did you want to be when you were in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become? Yeah. So well, as time progressed, I think maybe that took a bit of a backseat. You know, then I got introduced to video games. So probably between like third and fifth grade or sixth grade, I started being more interested in being in video games and maybe doing like uh, playtesting or, or, you know, developing video games. But then I got back into junior high um, and that's when I, I got interested in voiceover again. Um, skip ahead. I, I got a bachelor's in theater arts for my undergraduate. Then the real world hits you and you go, well, well what am I going to do now to actually make money? And somebody who I've grown up in North Dakota, my, I basically lived here all but two years of my life, which I don't remember those two years. Yeah. Um, cause that was the first two years. Um, I, I didn't want to follow sort of the traditional path of going to California to pursue voiceover. So my, my goal was to find a way to make it sustainable here while also uh, being close to, again, the people that I've grown up with and gotten to know really well. So um, bring us to today. Um, I've got a commercial demo done. I've I've been working with Mark Cashman. He's been in the voiceover industry for 40 years, but he's located in California. And so when he opened up um, his online, because that was one adjustment he had to make during during the pandemic was uh, moving more towards online uh, coaching or you know distance coaching, which I think was a really, it was a boon to the industry, I think as a whole, because of the fact that it just made things so much more um, available and like uh, you, you see this in you know AAA productions. You've got I think Raya and the Dragon. I think that was made entirely um, with the voice talent recording in their home studios, and they didn't even have home studios correctly correctly built yet at that time. Um, you know they were using ports and and all of that kind of stuff. So wow. So how did this journey begin? What was the first gig that you got? How did it kind of take, you know, gain some steam and, and take off? Yeah. Um, so I think the first true voiceover gig that I got um, was sort of a, it was a, sm a smaller thing. And this was while I was still, um, well, I still am in the, in the uh, private sector, but I was working at a credit union. Um, they were trying to put together kind of a, uh, a video for for some sort of a convention that they were doing or some sort of an award thing that i i put the voiceover onto their video and they ended up winning that category for for that year so that was kind of nice to see and yeah and again i didn't really think of it that much for a couple of years um i tried dipping my toes in the water back in 2015 for a while um and i auditioned a whole bunch of times on voices.com uh, nothing really developed there. And I found out that the primary reason for that was I didn't really have a very good recording environment in my house at the time. And I didn't have the kind of feedback telling me, oh, you, you just need to sound better. So I think it's important to, to do your research and find out, okay, it's not just being able to read, right? That's the thing that people, I think everybody on TikTok has seen the video. Hey, do you want to make $400 an hour just reading? Well, it's not that simple. You need to yeah. be able to, um, you need to be able to read, but you also need to be able to act. You need to have a really well-treated uh, environment. And then after that, you can kind of start worrying about some of the more intricate things like equipment and, 
and specializing. But yeah. So who's been kind of a hero for you in your life? Um, in the in the performance space, I would definitely say some of the people that I've looked up to over the years, um, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, they're, they're two of the live action ones that I, I've really taken a lot from. Um, I would say on the voiceover side, uh, some of the ones that I've really clung to, uh, you've got Jim Cummings, Keith David, um, the ones that are really versatile. You've got like Billy West, um, you know, just all of those guys, um, Frank Welker, you know, he's one of the top grossing actors ever, but it's from all of his creature voices. You know, he was Cujo and he was, uh, Megatron and, and, uh, Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Casey Kasem was shaggy, right? Yep. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, that's influential, that's maybe in your sphere of influence that you could learn from, who would you love to meet and talk to? Um, right now, I think it would be Bob Bergen. Okay. And he, he was the voice of Porky Pig in Space Jam. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, he's. I've seen him in uh, Steve Bloom's kind of uh, Facebook coaching group, where you know he provides a lot of value to all of the students in there trying to you know break into the industry, and and uh, he has this uh, kind of coaching event that he he'll put on with uh, Mary Lynn Wisner. Um, it's a cruise, so it's a ten day cruise, and I think there's either two or five days of of voiceover workshops. Or it might be three days. I can't remember exactly, but I'd love to go on on that just to to kind of pick his brain and and be able to see, you know, somebody like him in action and and really get to the heart of you know what what is it that we should be doing to hone our craft and and really put out a a stellar product there for for everybody. You know, the people that are putting on these productions that are hoping to see some sort of a return to all of the, you know, third graders or, or what have you that, you know, all they're looking for is a good time. So what's been some of the best advice that you've ever gotten in this, in, in your line of work being in voiceover? <sighs> the best advice. Um, I'll take this one. <laughs> this is a quote that I, I hear often from, from Mark. Um, and that would be, don't be a lemming. Um, you know, a lot of the time, especially in voiceover, you know, you're, you're spending all of your time auditioning for projects and again, good chance you're not going to get any feedback, but, um, it's really taking risks, taking calculated risks based off of what you think they are expecting and taking that and making something that nobody else is going to be able to provide. And you do that through sort of reading some of the subtextual or, or contextual stuff with the script. Um, and then again, just, just kind of, you know, going out on a limb and, and deciding, Hey, I'm going to make this artistic choice. This is why I think this would be fitting. And hopefully, you know, that comes across in the read. So, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there that want to get into voice acting. And I'm curious, in your experience, what's the best way for someone to develop vocal cords, to develop the moxie, to develop that timing and all of those things that you probably have to learn by just doing it? But is there any way that you've done it in practice to help you be better? Right. Um, I think one thing that's really helped me a lot is I, I'm somebody who growing up, I had opportunities to 
you know, participate in the arts. So I, I acted in high school and college. Um, I, I did speech and drama. I made, um, the all state speech and drama team in North Dakota, my senior year. Um, and then like ever since I was, well, really since about second or third grade, I, I got into playing instruments. Um, I, I took piano lessons for a couple of years and then had a little bit of a break. And then in fifth grade on, I, uh, I learned how to play the trombone and I'm still, still keeping with that. And you get to kind of pick up on some really interesting things that you otherwise wouldn't, um, because at the heart of it, you know, the voice is an instrument, you know, we, we can train it, like you said, um, in different ways so that, you know, you can increase your range, you can strengthen your range or in certain, you know, parts of it where, you know, you, the middle or the higher or the lower mid, or, you know, just anywhere within your actual speaking voice, you can strengthen the actual, uh, sound of it. You can kind of play around with figuring out things like, uh, texture, like adding a bit of gravel to your voice or, you know, um, just, just all sorts of different things that you can kind of pick up as, as you sort of pay attention to what you're doing with it and how it feels. Um, and that's another reason why, you know, taking music lessons or, or, uh, classes, you know, things like band or choir, I think is important because, uh, especially with choir, uh, you might be able to pick up on some of the other things that would be beneficial to your voice, which is finding out, you know, how do you, how do you use it without straining it and putting it into a place where you're not going to be able to use it, you know, the entire career that you're hopefully going to have? Yeah. You know, they always say that soccer players and football players benefit by taking ballet. And it's mm -hmm. funny how you can take one discipline and how the Venn diagrams yeah. just kind of come together, you know? Yeah. Gymnastics and ballet, I would imagine would be great for any, any kind of sport, whether, you know, contact or, or just, having some level of proficiency over your body, like, you know, baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What is your motivation every day to get out of bed, to do your work, to, to, to meet the goals that you want to meet? What is that for you? Um, I think it really is, you know, thinking about that, that little kid way back when that he saw all this stuff and, and, you know, it doesn't just appear out of thin air. You've got to put together a team of people to, to see it from conception to realization. And the only way to do that is to make sure that, you know, you're connect connecting with people, finding out what opportunities are out there, or if there aren't any opportunities that you can kind of dip, dip into, uh, or get your foot in the door. You, you need to find ways that you're able to make your own content, I think. And that that's one nice thing about social media, you know, there's so many downsides to it nowadays between, you know, privacy and all of that. But I think one of the better, um, one of the better aspects of it is definitely the fact that people can sort of show off their creativity and, and, you know, put things out there and, you know, a lot of them are probably going to fail, honestly, you know, that's, again, being a voiceover, you know, you, you do all of these auditions and you get maybe, you know, somewhere between two and five that offer you a, a role out of a hundred that you apply to, it can be a little bit um, demotivating. And it, again, it's just, you have to realize that the reason why you're doing this is so that you have the skills developed so that when, you know, you meet with opportunity and it presents itself, 
you're prepared. I, I really like this quote from uh, Chris Voss, the FBI, the former FBI negotiator, which was, uh, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to our highest level of preparation. Yeah, that's well said. Who's one of your favorite actor or one of your favorite characters in the characters. voiceover realm? Um, oh, there's... I, I, if I if I went on a tangent about the characters that I enjoy, we'd probably be here for the rest of the day. But <laughs> um, I, I really kind of resonate with Jim Henson, which is kind of interesting because you, when you think of voiceover, you don't really think of him. But yeah. when you think of people who want to get into voiceover, just about everybody's tried Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he's the king. That's for sure. Um, so... What's been one of your best success stories? Feedback that you got, fan letter. What what has that been? Um Wow. <laughs> uh. Um let's see here. I I guess the best feedback that I got would have been from one of the auditions that I did. Um it was for a project that I eventually got cast in. And um initially what had happened was I had tried out for two roles. Didn't get either of those. He said, you know, did have you would you consider, you know, trying out for this other one? I I don't remember if I actually had to submit something for him or not, but I got invited to the read through and we we had a read through. It was half an hour or an hour. We went through the entire script twice and we got to see, you know, all of the characters with one or two different variations on who was reading them and all of their performances. It was great to kind of see you know, that, that kind of, uh, you know, joint effort and, and getting to see everybody's unique take on everything. And then afterwards, um, it was kind of an interesting like day or two of, of exchanges because it went from, I wasn't going to be in the project to, okay, I am going to be in the project, but I'm a couple of other, you know, side characters. And, um, I had asked, you know, again, for kind of feedback and it was again, just, you know, keep doing what you're doing because, it is working and there is going to be, you know, some project out there that it's going to require your voice and you need to be ready when it presents itself. So let me ask you this. If you had a dream tonight, you ran into a much younger version of yourself mm -hmm. and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained up to this point. What advice would you give your young self? Whatever it is you want to do, commit first and then find a way to work something into every day that will get you closer to that goal. So of all the things that you've done so far in your life, what are you the proudest of? Um, that, that's a good question too. Um, honestly, right now it's probably being a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, that's, that's something I... I, I had always kind of envisioned as, as, you know, just sort of a natural part of the progression of, you know, going through life. And, and I, I thought it would happen a lot sooner in my life than when it did. But now that it's a reality, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, for this opportunity and, and just what I can hopefully instill in, in the little one and hopefully one or more to come afterwards. So. So what would be a dream gig for you? If you could get, the ultimate offer. What would you love to do right now? Sure. Um, I think this is also something that's kind of changed over time because 
when I was growing up, it was always, oh, I want to be this character. You know, I always want to try to be that character. So it was like I would do impressions of Bugs Bunny and Kermit the Frog. And, you know, I did do it all those. And then as you get older and you start to talk to the professionals who say you need to be able to act, um, I think now it would be it, it wouldn't necessarily matter what kind of a project it is. I would love to be in any kind of a triple A project, whether it's an interactive or an animation or an anime or any of that kind of stuff. But I would love to be some sort of a, an authority figure, you know, so yeah. somebody that you look up to, or it could even be like a villain, you know, somebody who's like a tyrant, just kind of raining down on people, but somebody memorable and, yeah. and, and has a bit of depth to them because it's not, you know, you, you could tell a story and it, people might like it or not. But I think if you have that depth of character, I think it, it provides just a little bit more uh, satisfaction when people are consuming it. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. Mm -hmm. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I, I stay in my head a lot. So I've been introverted, all of that kind of stuff, but, um, I'm just a goofball, honestly. Like that's, that's who I was when I was a kid. Um, you know, my wife, she sees me playing with our niece and, and our son, and she just goes, yeah, you're, you, you, you connect with them because you, you're still in that headspace. So, <laughs> Right on. Well, hey, if anyone out there wants to hear your work, they want to learn more about you, reach out to you, anything along those lines, where's the best place to go? Right. Um, I have a website. It's grantjohnsonvo.com. Um, on there, I've got my contact information. I've got links to my socials, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or X, I guess you could call it now, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever it is. Um, yeah, I've got those. I've got my contact information, um, link to my demos and uh, a couple of samples. I need to update it so that it's got more of the, the recent stuff. Um, there's a couple of projects. The one that I mentioned about um, earlier, um, it's something called ASO. It's a pilot for um, kind of a space adventure with cats <laughs> and, nice. and other animals, you know, anthropomorphic. Um, so that's on YouTube. Um, and then um, there's another podcast, uh, Leaving Corvat. They just started season two, and I'm in the the first episode, Five Doors, where I'm, I'm the uh, 911 dispatcher. So, Excellent. Grant, this has been great. Thank you for opening up your world. Thanks for your story. Best of luck with everything. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music